0: This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between.
1: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. I'm Alex Bernard, associate editor, and your host for this episode we're well into the growing season at this point. This episode aims to provide an update on how canola and soybeans on the prairies are progressing and handling the challenges of this specific year, namely the heat and drought conditions. First up, Ian Epp, Saskatchewan Agronomy Specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, discusses how canola is faring in Saskatchewan. Second, we'll hear from Laura Schmidt, Production Specialist West with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers for a soybean season update.
0: But first, Here's a message from our sponsor. Each farm is different, every field is unique. With the Climate FieldView platform, you get all the information you need about your farm to confidently make the right decisions to maximize your return on every acre. Climate FieldView seamlessly collects, stores, and visualizes field data, and it's all available in one place. Start collecting the information you need to grow your next best season today. For more information, visit climatefieldview.ca or talk to your field view dealer. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard,
1: Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm speaking today with Ian Epp, Saskatchewan Agronomy Specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. How are you doing today, Ian?
2: Good. Enjoying the nice warm weather.
1: Glad to hear it. Today we will be speaking about the canola season in Saskatchewan. How is that going so far?
2: So canola is just kind of in the middle of flowering, starting to come out of flowering, so a fairly important time for canola. So we've been going through quite a bit of heat. The heat is not new, but it is continued, and coupled with the heat, we're pretty dry. So the canola crop could definitely use cooler conditions and definitely use a rain.
1: Okay. Is rain on the horizon at
2: all? There's been a few spotty showers here and there that have rolled through, but there's no widespread soaking rain that we crop could really use right now. So... Some of the crop is still holding on looking not too bad either they've received a bit more moisture areas that received a bit more moisture uh, earlier in the season uh, land with a bit of heavier soil texture so it's holding has a bit of more moisture reserves but there is a lot of crop that is very much suffering and maybe you know no longer holding on and looking pretty tough definitely a year where every little bit of management you can see very little differences any little change in soil texture you know certain areas of the field a lot of variability in these fields and in general pretty much every field could use a lot of rain here uh, pretty quick
1: okay now i know the west coast is going through quite the extreme heat wave at the moment is that affecting Saskatchewan
2: no, we, we had a severe heat wave. I don't know if that was a couple weeks ago. It's continued. We had a little bit of a reprieve where it was cooled off, but we're back up to plus 30 or 30 plus every day across a good chunk of the prairies. And so for canola that's flowering, we get flowers that start to abort anytime we're above 28 degrees. So right now, you know, that's extra stress on the crop. So that's going to push the crop through flowering. It's going to end flowering quicker, which generally will have an impact on yield. So not great for the canola crop. And obviously, anytime it's warmer, the crop needs more moisture just to cool itself, just to continue doing its thing. And when there's a lack of moisture, these things kind of compound on each other.
1: Okay. Are there management strategies that you would recommend growers use in this situation?
2: You know, unfortunately, at this point, when there is just no rain in the forecast and the plants are really running out of moisture, there's not a lot we can do there's things we can think about maybe for next year other things, but really the plant just needs a certain amount of moisture to go through its life cycle and to get an average yield or reasonable yielding crop. So at this point, there isn't a whole lot we can do as far as fixing the lack of moisture or heat stress. That kind of is what it is. We can look out for Anything else that might be robbing additional yield as we get closer to harvest. So looking for some late season insects, those kind of things. There are a few things we can manage on that front. But unfortunately, hot and dry, is that's just Mother Nature at work.
1: Yeah, there's only so much you can do to fight that. How has insect pest pressure been this year?
2: Yeah, so flea beetles were fairly bad, especially in pockets. There's areas that were pretty bad for flea beetles early season. After that, it's been fairly quiet on the insect front. I would say within the realms of normal. Right now, as we kind of go from now towards the end of the year, the two pests we're kind of worried about, or you know, you want to be in your fields, double checking, scouting, making sure they're not becoming a bigger problem are ligus and grasshopper. So ligus, you know, they're kind of an erratic pest. They're not always a big issue in canola and sometimes the little nymphs, if you get like a half inch rain, it knocks them down and they they don't really come back. Well, they're around, but they're not really a economic issue. But this year, because we've had so little rain, we are seeing areas where the populations are fairly high. So you know, maybe a pest that growers don't normally or don't always have to deal with, but one to keep on your radar, especially as the canola is coming out of flowering, it's a great time to be looking for ligus. So economic, you're using your sweep net to look for them. Normally it's 20 to 30 ligus per 10 sweeps, two to three per sweep, but make sure you do at least 10 sweeps because it you know, get a few different areas of the field. Because we're so dry, and, you know canola prices are obviously fairly strong right now there is some work that suggests we could maybe lower that threshold down to 10 per 10 sweeps so one per sweep but do lots of sweeps so something for growers to keep in mind as we're going between you know right now especially as canola is late flowering and coming out to early potting so that's one insect to keep an eye on the other one is grasshoppers anytime we see hot dry conditions grasshoppers can be a concern There has been some areas of localized spraying, generally farther south, but especially as hay's been cut, those are the edges of your fields maybe. If there is a significant grasshopper population in the adjacent hay field and it gets cut, quite often they will move over to whatever's next door and that could be canola. So grasshoppers is something else to continue. You know, they're around, I haven't seen widespread spraying and depending on how the conditions change, we may not see widespread spraying this year, but that is definitely a pest to be concerned on right until harvest time.
1: Okay. Now, what options do growers have for managing ligus?
2: Really, we're looking at an insecticide that's going to manage the ligus. If they are somewhat spotty in your field, you could do some spot spraying. That takes a really intense scouting to double check that there are certain regions of your field. But if you do, certainly if you do have a field where there's an area that you've hit threshold and the rest of the field is not a threshold, spot spraying or spraying an area of the field is an excellent choice. There's a number of insecticides that are available to be used, depending on what the grower prefers. The one thing I would mention, this this would go for grasshoppers or ligus. The important thing is we get kind of closer to harvest is remembering that these different insecticides have pre-harvest intervals. So there's an interval between when you can apply a pesticide and when you can harvest your crop. And so there's quite a bit of variance depending on what product you're using. So just double checking that if you are thinking about a product, keep that in mind that some of them could be 21 days, some of them could be seven days that might limit your options a little bit. So make sure you have the right thing at home in the shed or you use the right product, especially as we get a little bit closer to harvest. So that's one component that we sometimes forget about because we don't always have to spray an insect closer to harvest.
1: Okay. Now, it sounds like harvest due to the heat might be pushed up a little bit or like come a little earlier than usual. Would that be accurate to say?
2: Yeah, generally, anytime we have a stress crop, tight on moisture, hot, and and that lowers the yield, it will come in or ripen up a bit earlier. Hard to say how much earlier, depending on how much stress. And again, we still have a little bit of time towards harvest here. But yeah, harvest will likely be a bit on the early side this year.
1: Okay. Is there anything coming into this crucial time that growers should know or like anything they should prepare for?
2: The insects are the big one. It's kind of early to talk about like desiccation of crops is we're we're definitely not there yet. With how dry it's going to be I really don't know that you know that might change some plans if if we don't get more rain in a lot of the areas the weeds are pretty brown and dead so if you're planning on straight cutting your canola there's not really a reason to use a pre-harvest aid or of some sort so that's not going to be as big of an issue but that's still a few weeks away and that'll change depending on the weather between now and then. Mm For growers in those those really badly affected areas where drought is pretty terrible, Uh, I know there's been some announcements on changing some of the rules around bailing up your canola for feed, because feed's also in pretty short across the prairies. Mm -hmm. The one important thing for growers to remember is make sure you talk to crop insurance. If you have crop insurance, make sure you talk to crop insurance before you pull the trigger on anything like that. Make sure your crop's written off or that you have a plan with, with crop insurance before doing anything like that. It's been a long time since we've done a lot of feed. I'm not sure how much canola is going to get bailed up for feed. It's obviously not your primary crop for that and you know even a a low yielding or really poor canola crop might still be worth something with the current market price but just something for any crop. Make sure you talk to crop insurance before you start cutting it down for some sort of feed.
1: Thanks to Ian Epp for that update. Now we'll hear from Laura Schmidt with the Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers for a soybean season update. Hello, my name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm speaking today with Laura Schmidt, Production Specialist West with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Today we are talking about how the soybean season is going in Manitoba. So, how is the
3: soybean season going in Manitoba? (laughs) Well, it's dry. That's old news. But the potential is still there for soybeans at this point if we do get some moisture in the next few weeks. Critical water uptake for soybeans is during pod formation and fill and water deficits during this stage will reduce yield, but we're kind of sitting at pod formation and fill right now. So if we do capture some rains, the potential is still there, which is more hopeful than some of our other crops. Soybeans did start flowering with the change in day length back in late June. With them forming and filling pods right now, we are running a little bit earlier. From my notes, it looks like we're staging about a week to 10 days earlier than we were last year. And this is likely a sign of that drought stress from dry conditions at this point we are seeing some signs of that drought stress in most fields uh, mainly the symptom you get is flip leaves during the day so it's reflecting sunlight and conserving a bit of moisture so we are seeing a lot of signs of that but overall the potential still there areas that do have more clay in the soil are holding water a little bit better so when they did catch those rain it's kind of carrying them through a little bit more soybeans are generally looking better on more clay soils than they are on the sandier soil types. Under good conditions right around now, soybeans would be taking up about seven to eight millimeters per day at these growth stages. Don't quite have that, but hopefully if we can catch some rains. One interesting thing I did pull from the literature on the topic is that soybeans subjected to water stress during v 4 or vegetative stages had increased tolerance to water shortages later in life. So we were certainly dry during that period of soybean development as well. So maybe we'll have some more resilient plants here that will be able to carry on despite the dry conditions. It's my positive outlook here, Uh, but these plants will likely do better if we can catch some rains. (laughs) Yeah, the general consensus is just, there is hope there. Uh, We do have yield potential. I mean, if it's gonna be dry during soybean development, dry during vegetative stages doesn't really hurt as much as during these reproductive stages. So now we're kind of in in crunch time.
1: You mentioned that things are further ahead than they usually are.
3: How is that affecting the reproductive stages? Uh, we are moving through them. It seems to be a little bit quicker. So pods are starting to fill in the lower nodes. They're starting to form pods in the upper nodes. And normally we wouldn't really see that this early in July, even though we're kind of in mid-July, running a bit earlier as a whole. But still potential in the next few weeks here if we can catch some water. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, are there any management options you can recommend for growers to mitigate the heat stress or the lack of moisture? Or is that something that we're waiting on Mother Nature to get into gear?
3: So a large part is going to come down to Mother Nature, but things that generally improve soybean growth will also help here as well. And things that are shading the soil surface will also help maybe conserve what moisture is down there. So I've heard planting soybeans in narrower rows with that canopy closure occurring earlier in the growing season, you get more shade on the soil surface. So you hopefully are catching or maintaining that moisture status a bit more, not as much evaporation. Just generally avoiding compaction and like being able to capture the rain when it does fall and have it infiltrate, as opposed to kind of running in gullies throughout the field. And that's kind of improved with having more root channels. Old root channels is usually where it'll penetrate and then move down through the soil. So kind of reducing tillage, reducing compaction, those kinds of things will generally help improve your water infiltration rates and capture what does come. So I'd say there are some things, but this year, Mother Nature is going to be our biggest determinator because you can do all the things right and still not get a single rain. (laughs) And on the flip side the nice thing is pest pressure has been really low this year as a result as well so all yeah. those silver linings <laughs> yes <laughs> so on a whole pest pressure has been really low this year grasshoppers have probably been the biggest pest to concern and levels really vary across the province with some fields requiring control many only needing border and edge sprays numbers have been on the rise with consecutive dry summers they don't generally prefer soybean and pulse crops, but nymphs that couldn't fly earlier in the season fed on field edges. So there was some border sprays for control. And when they're young like that, rates to achieve control can be lower and there's a better chance you're avoiding hitting beneficial insects with the sprays. So lots targeted that younger stage with these border sprays and re- received some good control. Pods start to feel like they are now. The threshold for control in soybeans is 25% defoliation. So scouting is kind of ongoing for that and keep an eye out. Once cereal crops and hay comes off or ditches are cut, I'd expect to see grasshoppers move back into the soybeans and soybeans stay greener so much longer. But they really aren't a favorite food source most of the time. And then one insect we are always watching for is soybean aphids, which blow into Manitoba from the south. They don't overwinter here. And we had our first confirmed case of them last week in the south central region near Carmen. Levels were really low. They actually only discovered the aphids because of the high number of lady beetles in the area. So our predators are really doing their work right now. Uh, Levels right now are also low in North Dakota too. So it doesn't seem right now like we're going to have a big outbreak year of soybean aphids, which is great news. For weeds, weed control has been challenging this year since weeds aren't actively growing. And the characteristics that they develop to combat drought also mean it's tougher for herbicides to get into the plant. So stomata are closed, cuticles are thicker. And leaves are curling or lifting up to avoid too much sun. So, all this makes herbicides just tougher to do their job. So, some spotty weed control. Right now, what we're doing is scouting for late season weed escapes to plan for herbicide programs next year and also to identify any potential herbicide resistant issues in weeds like kochia, water hemp, and wild oats. Those are ones we're keeping an eye out for, especially an eye on water hemp and kochia. Water hemp in Manitoba was confirmed in four municipalities in kind of the south central region in 2019. Here it's a tier one noxious weed, so it must be destroyed if found. And the, one of the big reasons we really are keeping an eye on it is in the states it has many combinations of herbicide resistance. So groups 2, 3, 4, 5, 9, 14, 15, and 27. So not a lot of options if it does get established. So I really just want to encourage farmers if you're seeing pig weeds late in the season take a look at it and see if there are hairs on the stem or not and really make sure it's not water hemp in your field because it is a tier one so we do have to destroy it if you catch it. So keep an eye out for that one. And then for diseases uh, right now since they are kind of past flowering we see more soybean diseases set in. On a whole foliar diseases and soybeans aren't typically yield limiting. We don't often worry about them. We are seeing some bacterial blight set in following damage from high winds and wind whipping. Septoria brown spot is also starting to show up in the lower canopy, but not at worrisome levels. And overall, root rots have been down this year, which is great. Uh, Now is around the time when we do start to notice Phytophthora root rot show up. It can infect plants throughout the season for soybeans. We are finding it popping up here and there, even in this dry year, but not at concerning levels. Phytophthora is largely managed with varietal resistance. So if you are finding it, it's good to, first of all, get it confirmed that it is Phytophthora because there are some lookalikes out there. And also take a note of your variety selection and see if it has a phytophthora resistance gene and see if you might need to rotate to another gene to control the races that you're finding in your field. Something new on the disease front is we have another confirmed case of soybean cyst nematode in the province. It's a newer pest to Manitoba. We first identified it through surveillance programs in 2019. There was four confirmed RMs and now that that number's at five. So I also just want to encourage farmers and agronomists to be on the lookout for symptoms of SCN. We are expecting it to get established in Manitoba with more soybean production in the area. So symptoms of SCN are easily mistaken for iron deficiency, chlorosis or drownouts, which isn't really the case this year for the drownout side of things. This field was investigated because it resembled IDC symptoms, but it never grew out of the IDC symptoms like we typically see with soybeans. So did some further digging. It's also a sandier soil type, so symptoms typically are more noticeable in a dry year on sandier soils. So that's another clue if you're seeing some of those symptoms to start digging and take a look at your roots. So specialists investigated, got a confirmation, and just serves as a really nice reminder to continue to scout for these pests as they're getting established in Manitoba. Since soybean cyst nematode is brought in with any soil movement, it's... Also just a good reminder to pay attention to biosecurity protocols as you're moving between farms or fields. So really anything like transferring equipment, transferring soil sampling equipment, purchasing new to you equipment, give it a rinse before it goes in the field. And if you do suspect SCN, uh, you can give us a call or provincial specialist and we can get it diagnosed. If you're just kind of worried about it in general, you can start working resistant varieties into your rotation. A lot of our varieties we have available here do have some resistant genes in there, which is an option. And those varieties are listed in Seed Manitoba as well as the MPSG Soybean Variety Guide if you're curious to learn more about that.
1: Yes, that's another it's another thing to start watching for because that's also not a, not a fun disease.
3: Yeah, and we, we really have been anticipating that it will get established here. So this confirmation isn't really a great big surprise or a giant red flag. It's just more of a reminder that taking preventative action, detecting it when it's early and population levels in the field are really low so we can manage it. Suppression is something we can really achieve and avoiding significant yield loss if we identify it early. And so that's kind of why I want people to be on the lookout or thinking about it if they're noticing some of those sandier spots or seeing symptoms of IDC that just isn't growing out this year. I know it's really easy to see funny symptoms in the field this year and just Say it's either the hot conditions, the drought conditions, or a combination of the two. But it doesn't hurt to investigate and just put your mind at ease, I guess, by digging up some roots. So,
1: exactly. It's better to catch it when it's early rather than
3: when you have a field of it. That's the goal here. I suspect that'll be on the horizon for us, though. Not anytime soon. I mean, the population levels we're finding in these fields are quite low and we've identified them. So, they're likely, hopefully, going to stay low for a while. But that's also, I guess, the other part of SCN, the silent yield robber. Above ground symptoms don't usually develop with SCN until the population levels are quite high in a field. So once you see above ground symptoms, you could already have 30% yield loss. So this year, with it being drought, that yield loss would probably be a little bit higher. And also you might see symptoms a little bit earlier just because those roots aren't really able to take up since they've been infected.
1: Okay. It sounds like disease levels aren't too, too bad across the board. So would you say fungicide applications and pest spraying, that's not so much a priority this year?
3: I would say it's unlikely for fungicide to be put down on soybeans this year. We have been testing fungicides and soybeans in the on-farm network, just treated versus untreated for seven or eight years now. And we're really finding it only pays about 9% of the time. With it being dry like this, it's really unlikely that we're going to have the conditions required for any benefit to a fungicide application to control disease at this point. That being said, if you do have some fields with tight rotations that have seen more soybeans and have a bit more of that history, you might have a higher disease load. So I I would evaluate those fields outside of this general, you likely don't need fungicide, just because those tighter rotations. I am still seeing disease in those fields this year. Not at too worrisome levels, but enough that you'd want to be keeping an eye on it and make that decision on a case-by-case basis. Yeah,
1: farmers know their fields, so if you're out there scouting, if you know what's happening in your fields,
3: trust that. Yeah, and every field's a little bit different, so the best thing I can encourage everyone to do agronomists and farmers is get out there and scout. And don't just write-off symptoms as being hot and dry. Sometimes there are other things going on and it's worthwhile to have a little bit of an investigation.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.